by Rebecca Spencer. from almost the halfway line. Welcome everybody to the N17 Women Pod. Uh, we are here to talk about Tottenham Hotspur women and in particular our game against Everton at the weekend. Uh, as usual, I'm joined by Rachel and Caroline. Abby is unfortunately uh, dealing with a work emergency so we've had to let her off this one. Uh, my name's Sean, and we're going to, yeah, take you through the match and uh, I'll bring the others in to see what they they made of it. The uh, the starting lineup was pretty much what we'd expect, I guess. Uh, having made one change for the Aston Villa game, we went back to our standard starting 11, Becky in goal, Ash, Molly, Luana and Haz as the back line. Even Olga, a defensive midfield with Grace, Drew and Celine as the attacking midfielders and Martha up top. We started, I guess, in a little way that reminded us of the last game we played against Everton, which wasn't good. And Becky nearly lost the ball to a couple of Everton attackers, but luckily one of them was a little bit um, OTT and uh, Becky won the ball, uh, thanks to the referee. Uh, we then had a couple of chances through Celine. Really should have put one of them away, I think, but uh, nevertheless, two great chances for her. And uh, Evelina brushed the roof of the uh, top of the net after 30 minutes. Uh, then Everton did have a good save. They forced uh, Becky into a good save to deny Everton uh, a few minutes later. But Becky was down a couple of times with injuries in this half as well. Again, a little bit of a concern there around uh, around Becky. But Martha forced a double save from Brosnan in the Everton goal um, shortly after the half an hour mark. Uh, again, picking up on a loose pass back to the keeper, which seems to be Martha's specialism at the moment, uh, but Brosnan uh, alert to that and not allowing Martha to score. Uh, eventually, we did get a goal. We did get the breakthrough. Martha won the ball in the midfield, played it out to Drew, who uh, did a nice little dink to Celine, who passed it back to Drew, and Drew floated the ball into the box, and Grace Rose, Grace Clinton Rose, to head ball home for her second goal of the season for us. And then Evelina had a free kick just before the end of the first half, uh, and Martha almost scored, but didn't, uh, which seemed to be the uh, the way it was going in that first half. So let's have a let's let's have a talk through a few of those kind of things. Uh, let's talk about Becky to start off with that early uh, worry, which we've seen in previous seasons and, and been a bit worried about, and then a couple of stops for injury again, which we know happens with Becky sometimes. She's had such a great start to the season. Was anybody worried? in those first couple of minutes with that little uh, issue with Becky there. I'd actually forgotten about it until you said it. So at the time, I do remember because it was so early in the game that it was one of those ones where if it had been later, you'd have thought, oh, is she just time-wasting? And she clearly wasn't time-wasting because there's no point in time-wasting at that point. So it was something and it was clearly a niggle and she'd got the physios out to her or the you know the team over to her. But then it didn't seem to persist. So I guess that's why I'm blaming that for my memory loss. Yeah, now that you mention it, I, I recall there being, I think, a couple times in this game where she kind of put her body on the line for the team. And Everton, you know, were really on top of her as well. I think there was a collision at one point with one of the Everton players. But I mean, I guess that's that's kind of what you want to see from your keeper, that they're willing to go into those kind of challenges. And I think she was not quite as 
clean with her passing in this match as we've seen earlier in the season, but still came up big a few times. So nothing too concerning, I think, from Becky. Yeah, just those techie Becky moments that we need that we're always cautious of. Then, uh, so Martha, she was player of the month for October, scored stupid amounts of goals. And then in this game, she had numerous chances that any other day she would have put away, but wasn't able to. Is it the curse of the player of the month? What do we think? Is it just one game or are we uh, expecting to see her back in good form next week? I think it's probably just one game. I think that she still had a good game. She really was key in making the goal that we did score, not just winning the ball, but then she was going for the header at the same time as Grace. And that meant that Grace had a little bit more space because obviously Martha was having to be marked as well. So she got herself back into that position after having been much higher up the pitch. And, you know, the the chance she had when she stole the ball from the back pass, you know, that was just impressive because that is exactly how she's been creating these chances out of nothing. And the fact that she can do it game in, game out is really insane like you know that they aren't or it must be that goalkeepers and centre-backs are worried about her know that she can do that and yet she still does it and that's what's so great about it so it is really impressive and I do think that she is better than anyone else in the league at the moment at creating those chances and the fact that she didn't score this one I will forgive her I think the second part of that so she the, the keeper saved the first one and then she went wide. And I think at that point, if she'd have cut it back to Olga, Olga would have been just, you know, knocking it into an empty goal. But in that moment, it is so hard to make a decision because she's been, you know, everything is, you know, it's instant, isn't it? So I guess that was the one place where I would have liked her to have done something different. The other thing, you know, like the header she tried from Evelina's free kick, good header and a great save. So I think there were other moments where she was doing the right thing and it just didn't work this game. And I know that Robert Villaham talked about, you know, the keeper having a really good game and also that Martha continued to do what he wanted to see her. The one thing I was worried about her, which I guess we can talk about later, is I thought that she spent a bit too much time out wide so that sometimes she was the one crossing into somebody who wasn't the person you would necessarily want on the end of a goal. So again, maybe, you know, Celine is great at many things, but finishing isn't high on that list at the moment. And you would rather have Celine out wide and Martha in the box. Similarly, even Grace sometimes, although Grace is now finishing. On the flip side, though, when Celine did get that, that chance, it very clearly looked like a, a move that had been practiced on the training ground. So I think perhaps Robert's wanting her to get in some more of those positions and, you know, making those kind of overlaps with Martha. But I that's why I don't think it's a player of the month curse because the whole team was having these finishing issues throughout the game, um, not just Martha. And I guess you know, kind of like you alluded to, Rachel, if there was one thing I was going to be critical of about Martha, it would be that her shot selection was not always the smartest. And also there were a few opportunities where, I think making a pass would have been the better option than taking the shot, like notably on that, you know, kind of second opportunity after the back pass. Yeah. If she, if she had just passed it back, that would have been a goal 100%. But I do think Courtney Brosnan deserves a lot of credit because she had a really strong game. And I think we've seen that, you know, every time we faced her in the league recently, she's, she is a good keeper. So I'm not concerned about Martha going forward. I think she's still in really great form and I'm sure she'll get back on the score sheet next week. 
And I guess I would just add is that in those first couple of games against Chelsea and against Bristol, she also missed quite a few chances. She got, you know, she made some goals, but she was missing some of the what looked like more clear cut chances. So I think she's a player who scores, you know, (laughs) when I was going on about her scoring those messy goals and then she came through and she scored some beautiful goals as well. But I do think that she isn't always going to score the clear cut chances, but she's going to make other chances. Well, that's good. So just the one game blip. Let's have a quick think about the fullbacks. I, I know I felt that Ash was getting forward more in this game, like we'd seen her in uh, in the Villa game. I thought she got forward more with Jess in front of her. But I feel maybe Grace is learning to work with Ash a bit better and we're seeing Ash get forward a bit more. Um, and I, I didn't see as much from Haz in the first half as I think I have in previous games. So what what did you make of the, the fullbacks in this game, two of you? Yeah, I mean, I think... Has was just a little bit anonymous, especially in the first half, wasn't getting super involved. And I'm I'm wanting to go back to look at the lineup now for Everton to see if perhaps it was a matter of the player on her flank not presenting many problems. You know what I mean? Because it, it does seem to feel like we have more attacks coming on the other side for whatever reason in this game. But yeah, I think on the flip side, Ash did have a really strong game and it's it's good to see her getting a little more involved because, you know, there were a few games, I think, earlier in the season where she was not quite as heavily involved. Yeah, I don't think that there is yet that passing relationship built up between Ash and Grace. The one-two that we saw when Ash got down to the um, goal line and and cut it back for Celine was a one-two that she had with Martha, who does that more often, weirdly, than Grace does, even though Grace is ostensibly playing as the winger in front of Ash. So I, I just think that is something that it works in lots of ways, and Ash finds Grace, and Grace did had loads of really amazing things that she did in this game. She was very creative, but she does still always cut inside. It's just absolutely, and she looks... I think she's probably passes to, well, she definitely passes to Celine more than she, like I saw her, she sort of passed across the pitch a couple of times because she was looking in that direction rather than cutting out. It's just the style of her play. And that's, we're going to just get used to that. I think that Ash did get forward, but I think it also sometimes really left Molly and Luana exposed. And Molly, especially on Ash's size. And again, when Haz was getting forward, to some extent, Luana, and I think that might be one of the reasons why she got forward less as the game went on, because the Everton front line was fast, was definitely faster than the player, you know, like than the teams we played in previous weeks. And I think if they were a little bit better in the final third, we would have been in a lot of trouble because it did feel like they were creating space and getting beyond certainly our fullbacks and then causing problems for our centre backs. But both Molly and Luana were able to, you know, find the positioning to, you know, deal with it. I think it's a thing that we haven't quite worked out. And I think that our wingers don't cover very well for our fullbacks. So then it just, you know, a lot of pressure then gets put on our centre-backs and then our defensive midfielders who do the covering. So still a little bit of working out to be done with those new players coming in and how we how we manage that but yeah Everton's attacking threat was not as as they've struggled for goals all season haven't they so they've only scored a couple before our game so that was good for us and a shout out to Drew I think is also on the cards I mean the goal that we scored yes Grace did very well to finish it but Drew's little flick and then her 
cross were great and she was in battle mode I felt all game you know that way we like to see Drew where she's not giving up on the ball and she loses the ball but she goes turns around and goes and gets it again a great performance from her would you agree yeah and it, it was her pressure also that allowed Martha to kind of get that move started for the goal and then you know of course the interplay between her and Martha her and Celine um, and then obviously the cross in for for Grace so I think this was probably the best performance we've seen from her this season. We just need to see more consistency. I think that's what we always say when it comes to Drew. But it's clear that she's really starting to solidify those partnerships with not just Grace, who's a new player to the team, but also Celine, who she now has over a season with uh, working with her. So I, I was really pleased to see this performance from her. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a really good game for her. Not just the assist, but she had the chance earlier and she did what, you know, she has that calm control on the ball. She's fun to watch when she's on form. In the press conference, this that's just happened, Robert Villaham also talked about how she, he's choosing not to use her as an eight or in the sort of defensive phase because he wants to sort of save her for that attacking phase so that she can dictate the game in their half and that that's what he's looking for her to do and I think that we saw some of that in this game. So we'll move into the second half which was largely I think in many ways similar to the first half some some good plays by us at the start maybe a little bit of better play by Everton but then we got back into the game. Jess was subbed onto the pitch for Celine, although there was a bit of confusion as to who was coming off, but it was uh, Celine who came off in the end uh, around 60 minutes. And uh, within a couple of minutes being on, she had a shot that just fired wide of the uh, Everton goal. We'd had somebody on the back post. That would have been a goal as well. And then uh, after 70 minutes, we had a ball through from Grace to Martha, who was beaten to the ball by the keeper just um, and another close uh, chance there for Martha. I think mostly we were on top in the second half and looking stronger, looking like we might just edge the game, but then came <laughs> quite late on in the game, well, uh, a silly uh, a silly push from Grace. In the moment, we weren't sure what had happened. We hadn't really seen it, but looking back at the, the game again, it was clearly a unnecessary push from Grace inside the penalty area, which gave... Everton shot from the spot and uh, dispatched very well by their striker and no chance really for Becky to save that one. So the game finished 1-1. So let's talk about the penalty. What did you all make of that one? Well, the fact that we all were kind of wondering what had even been called should go to show that it was not a stonewall penalty by any means. Um, And I think the frustrating, well, two things are frustrating about it. One, that Grace even gave the ref an opportunity to call it because it was such a sort of unnecessary foul. And like by the letter of the law, you know, it is a penalty, even if it was very soft contact. And I think the Everton player certainly sold it well, but it, but it was a penalty. Uh, But the other frustrating thing is just that we've not seen consistency across the league when it comes to fouls like this. Um, Cause I know I, I, I had seen a video from the city arsenal game where there was an almost identical foul on Bunny Shaw that didn't get called for a penalty. So uh, you just want to see those, the rule applied more evenly, I suppose. But I, after watching back the highlight a few times, I think maybe a tiny bit of blame has to be apportioned to Evelina because she had an opportunity to clear the ball and did a very poor job of it. So 
we might not have even been in that position for Grace to make that foul if that clearance had gone a little, just a little farther outside the box. But I think that's kind of been a theme all, all, not just this season, but last season as well, is some of our players who are not trained defenders, not having those sort of instincts to know when to just get the ball out of there. You know, we don't even need to be dealing with it. And, And some of them, I don't know, it's just, it's not been great. I think also from some of the wingers, you know, we've seen them have moments of madness, I guess you would call it. And I guess that's technically what happened with Grace. I mean, like you, Sean, I was in the stadium and at first, and I had just no idea what it was. From my viewpoint, I initially thought it was Ash had a high boot or something because that's what I could see. And the player was going down near where her, she was, you know, trying to get the ball. So it was only when I watched the replay that I realised what had happened. And when I saw it, it was a penalty. Like, yes, she totally bought it. But pushing someone from behind is ridiculous in that position. How ridiculous it was is shown by the fact that Robert Villaham was actually quite critical of what she did. I mean, he totally recognised that she's a young player, but he sort of talked about she's got to learn. And you say that when you realise that somebody has done something that is a mistake. And it clearly was a mistake. It's not the sort of thing you should be doing in the last minutes of a game when you, especially when you played great, like, you know, she was pretty much player of the match. And then she also was then responsible for dropping the points. You don't want to be in that position. And I think she's a, at the moment, a clumsy defender. The yellow card that she gave away earlier in the game was also the sort of yellow card that an attacker gets when they're trying to defend. She's sort of like was hooking her leg around, like she was defending from behind in both of these instances. She was trying to get the ball from behind, but in a way, one time like hooking her leg around, one time pushing at a player, neither of those are effective. And so it's just learning how to position yourself better in defence And if you're not going to get the ball, what kinds of other things you're going to, you know, how to reposition yourself. And I just think she needs to learn that. And we don't want to be giving away another penalty. We've given away three penalties. We topped the league in this. The last two were on the corner of the box. So they were in areas which were not that threatening. They relate to just miscommunication to some extent, like players supporting or not supporting or over supporting because Ash was there this time Grace did not need to be doing that you know the last time actually Ash was the one who didn't keep supporting and there were other players who weren't coming in and so Evelina got surrounded so in both cases it's like a player doing something stupid but also there's lack of communication about what they should be doing I just think it is a mess and yeah we need to be able to clear our box more efficiently but also just to be calmer in those moments yeah I think a real shame for Grace as you say a a really a good game as she has been playing so far but a really silly moment which the you know the player was moving away from her she wasn't going to get back to her Ash was coming in to cover there was really no need for her to do anything I think just desperation in that moment and, and inexperience so I'm sure she will learn from that and it won't happen again. But d- disappointing to lose two points basically off that because uh, for my for my money, Everton really didn't look very much like scoring any in any other way. And I thought we should have we should have put chances away, but without that penalty, I don't I didn't see Everton scoring really. Overall, what did you take away from this game? Well, the one thing that did strike me after the fact is that. Robert only used two of his subs, uh, which I think has been kind of <laughs> unusual for him. He's He's been pretty good about those proactive substitutions. So perhaps there was an opportunity there to bring on 
maybe a little more experience, like someone like Rhea Percival to kind of close down the game um, when it was apparent that our, our finishing was very unlucky on the day. You know, just hold on to the one to lead. I think I would have liked to see someone like her come on just to settle things down. Yeah, I think that's a good call. And again, you know, Grace was in the 90 something minute. And when she's doing this or whatever, I don't can't remember exactly which minute it is, given how many minutes of extra time you play in the first half. And we only got five minutes of extra time. I would just say like Arsenal was playing like eight minutes or something. They got like and Man United had all these minutes of um, injury time. We only had five minutes and we were going for it. And I was like, why have we only got five minutes? I thought the norm was now eight minutes. Anyway, you know, you could, I did think that it's a shame that he didn't maybe take Grace off fresh legs. You don't maybe make those errors in the final minute. She had a really good game and maybe that's why he was keeping her on because she was pushing. She was still had making opportunities, but maybe what you're saying kind of it makes sense there and that you need to just have a few more people on the pitch who have just, you know, who've just got fresher legs, fresher brains, I think, as much as anything. Of course, I mean, on the other side, I think that when Drew went off, there was a, it felt a bit less solid. So there is that tension as well, isn't there, about whether the people who are coming in are going to settle into the game as fast, what they're going to bring. But I I was a little disappointed we only saw the two subs. And it's interesting. So in, again, today, Robert Villam's been talking about his use of the squad. And he said that he is, he's going to continue using the same 11, essentially. And the other, that way everybody knows what they have to do so that they know they have to keep playing while other players need, he works with them and tells them what they need to do to play their way in. So I think we're going to continue to see that consistent squad. But I guess it's harder for those other players to work their way in if they're not even getting minutes. And especially players like, you know, Lin Yang Zhang, who we're all quite excited to see a little bit more of. And maybe he was cautious in this game because... You know, it was so tight and he didn't want to bring on another player who has had fewer minutes and is less used to the league. But I don't know. I guess it's sometimes a risk it would be nice to see. Yeah, because if you think about it, maybe in that scenario, we would bring on a little more attacking firepower and we get that decisive second goal and the penalty wouldn't matter in the end. So, you know, sometimes, as we say, offense is the best defense. Well, we certainly uh, have been having our our fair share of... um attacking force um, but uh, following on from uh, our first half discussion I, I thought we'd talk about the centre-backs in the end uh, Molly got her over the match for her performance let's talk about one her and two the partnership that she's forming with Luana which seems to be pretty strong at the moment before we talk about that which I'm totally on board for <laughs> and I thought Molly was amazing can we just say that the club's player of the match award it, it drives me mad that every week they put out these like tweets and they put the social media and they're like, who's your player of the match? And like three people answer, maybe five, maybe 10. I don't know. And it's usually split. And then they just announce somebody. And occasionally it's universal. And you know, it's going to be like last game. Of course it was going to be Martha. But I've seen games where I literally went and counted up because I was wondering how they came up with what they came up with. And my count did not add up to whatever they came up with because there's so few you can count them. So it's just ridiculous. Can they please just give us a ruddy poll? Because then we could vote for the player of the match. You'd have more than 10 people. You know, you'd get hundreds of people voting and you'd have a proper response. It's just so crappy that they can't sort that out. Sorry, that's just like, 
Well, I want to echo that because I, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I have found myself spending a little more time on the Spurs app on Spurs play because they've actually had a lot of really great content. Like even with the women's team, I feel like they've really increased the profile of the women's team on the app. So yeah, it's just kind of frustrating that they don't have a poll like they do for the men's team. Like this is very easy, basic stuff. So if anyone from the club is listening uh, respectfully, please institute a poll. Yeah, because I just believe you. You tell us that was the player of the match. And I believe you. Like, at the moment, I feel like they're kind of rotating it or something. You know, like, because who knows how they're making it. I mean, Molly had a great game. I'm really happy she was player of the match. If you'd have asked me to vote, I might vote for Molly. I think she was really good. Back to the actual game. I think, I know, I think they've formed an amazing partnership. I think they are really central to how we're playing, the way that they are able to pass really close to goal with confidence they play differently as well. Like I was thinking about this, like Molly is really good at sort of just like turning a player and, you know, you think and just going past them and it's beautiful. And Luana sort of collects the ball in full flow and keeps going. And so they do these different things, but both of them use that to get forward. They, you know, they can pick a pass. They work really well with Becky. And I know that Robert Villaham talked about as well how Luana, when she first came, didn't even speak English. And so this has been quite an adjustment for her. I mean, we heard her do an interview in some English, but I guess it was just isn't fluent. And so the fact that she has fit in and that she is working so smoothly with Molly and Molly, you know, Molly has been like our absolute stalwart for the last two seasons. She'd had both seasons. She's had more minutes than any other player. She's probably going to do that again this season. She's captain until Beth England comes back. She just seems this wonderfully calm, but like still like always aware presence. And yeah, so it's and she made a couple of great sort of like last ditch sort of clearances in this game she has in others yeah love them yeah I think there's just a much better balance in the center back partnership this season with Molly and Luana together they're not (laughs) working at cross purposes I feel like we kind of saw a bit of last season with her and Amy Turner I just couldn't be more proud of the way Molly has really taken the leadership mantle this season I don't think that should be understated you know that she's really fulfilling that role while Beth is still out injured and it's got to be a matter of time before she gets an England call up right like I feel like she's working towards that with every game so yeah super proud of Molly she was my player of the match for what it's worth I mean I think it's interesting isn't it? because when we spoke to Molly last season on the pod we did kind of talk about mention the leadership thing because of the way she spoke about her experience and all that kind of thing and she was very much no 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 thank you but she has stepped up and she's done an incredible job. And I think players with that kind of life experience and just her ability to articulate her experience and things, it's so powerful, isn't it? And she is doing a fantastic job leading by example, which she did last season as well in terms of, you know, last ditch efforts and, and doing everything that she needs to do to get the win. One of the things I thought was really interesting as well, I've just been thinking about that. If you look at our captain and two co-captains, they sort of span the pitch so we've got Beth England at the front and then we've got Olga and then we've got Molly at the back and I just also was thinking about that there is a coherence to it that makes sense this year so it's Molly being there but then also seeing I think that Olga and Evelina are in front of her and Luana have a part of what's happening in defence because they are also just very consistently you see one of them will go forward one will stay back and that they are especially with our fullbacks 
not always being in position because they're often attacking, that they have got a lot of responsibility for defence. And so one of the reasons why that partnership is working better this season than it did last season is that the defensive midfield is working better. And it's that thing, isn't it? They're all connected. So you can't really say you don't have just defenders or just a midfield. They only work when the other parts around them are working. So we dropped two points, I guess, in this game, which after a couple of wins on the road, we were disappointed by, but still in a great position, still third in the table after all the fixtures that happened this weekend. So let's just have a think about that um, around the league. Arsenal beat City, which helps in one way and is bad in another. Liverpool beat Leicester, which again is an interesting two teams who have both started really brightly this season. West Ham lost to Bristol. Bristol finally got three points on the board, moved off the bottom of the table. Brighton drew with Manchester United, which is another, I mean, just interesting results everywhere you looked, really. I, I watched the uh, most of that Brighton-United game, and at the very end, I was just anguished when Rachel Williams got that goal. Not that it was her, because obviously we love Rachel, but Brighton, they, they had tried so hard and were so close to a win, and I mean, that's just kind of kind of the story of United, isn't it? That they, they somehow find a way, which I guess is a credit to them in, in some sense, but it's also really annoying. <laughs> is it your nice or is it just Rachel Williams? Fair. <laughs> that was disappointing. I mean, fully love Rachel Williams. And what I would love is for her to be their top scorer. I just don't want her them to win that many games. So, yeah, I guess one of the talking points of the weekend was the... Um, the bitching match between Jonas Eideval and Gareth Taylor. And it's like, which one do we hate most? I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, because Jonas has come out and said he doesn't recognise that at all. And I've seen lots of comments about people who've sat behind him at games and said, absolutely, we recognise that about the way he handles himself on the touchline. Yeah, two of, uh, well, of, of the of the top four, the, the, the three male managers, none of them seem to cover themselves in glory, do they? And I have to say, I I really bristled at the comments from Gareth Taylor about how he was, quote unquote, protecting the fourth official. It just felt so icky, paternalistic, like, no, man, she she does not need your protection. That was just ridiculous. So it's like I said, I hate to defend Jonas Eideval, but that was that was not cool. Oh, you're making this a regular feature, though, your defense of Jonas Eideval. But I, I agree with you totally. I think that Jonas Eideval is a bit of a dick and he does harass the referees constantly and that is true and also it is not Gareth Taylor's role to protect them and it's even less his role to tell everybody that he was so he is both a paternalistic patronizing manager let's just call him and Jonas Eidemann is also an aggressive obnoxious manager so we're pleased that we've got Robert who doesn't seem to be any of those things and seems to be a very good man uh, managing women's football. But I guess the other talking point from the manager point of view is last season of Emma Hayes in the Super League. She's off to manage your lot, Caroline. Uh, how are we all feeling about saying goodbye to to Emma, who has, I mean, whatever you think of some of her crazier ideas, has had such a huge part to play in the growth of the women's game in this country and has really, you know, I mean, I think that Chelsea we're going to quadruple her salary, but it still wasn't enough to keep her. Yeah. What would we all think about, about that announcement? Well, I'm, I'm sure that like many people in the game, she had reached the point where she felt like she needed a new challenge, which is understandable. And to be fair, the U S job is a challenge right now. 
because <laughs> we're in a huge period of transition. But, you know, she's got a lot of really promising young talent to work with. And I'm excited about it from that standpoint that like, we really, really just need a fresh perspective, I think, because even some of the older players on the team that, you know, I'm attached to emotionally, like I recognize it's time for them to move on. And I think she'll probably be pretty, you know, brutally efficient about that. It, it'd also be interesting to see how Chelsea as a club does after this change, because, and this is where I may be a little controversial, but I have often wondered how much of their success is down to Emma Hayes, how much of it is down to their ridiculously stacked squad. We're going to find out, I suppose. <laughs> uh, I haven't really heard about who's possibly going to be taking over at Chelsea, although the one that I've heard is is Casey Stoney, and I would be very upset about that as a San Diego Way fan. But from all accounts, like her family just got settled in the U.S., so I, I kind of don't think that's going to happen. But undoubtedly, you know, she would be a great manager for them if that was the case. I just wouldn't I like that, it. Yeah, I think it's all rumors at the moment. I think the search hasn't actually started um, yet. So we wait and see who goes. But of course, the other interesting thing is both Sam Kerr and Frank Kirby are out of contract at the end of the year as well. How does that play out in terms of where they decide to go? One thing about Emma Hayes is I think that some of what she achieved at Chelsea is down to her, but it is down to her putting pressure on the club to improve things. It's down to her ensuring that the fitness and the medical and all of the behind the scenes stuff got sorted out in a way that it hadn't at many other clubs and that we're all catching up with Chelsea on. It may be that she has doesn't make always the best. And I think there's an argument that sometimes she doesn't make the best in-game decisions and that some of what she's doing is down to the stacked squad but she clearly is very good at supporting players in coming through and getting the best out of players so I think it's that tension isn't it about what does a manager do and they do a lot of different things people talk about how she brought Lauren James through and we saw the difference between how you know how she managed Lauren James as compared to Serena Wiegmann who kind of didn't quite manage Lauren James over the World Cup. Yeah, the other interesting thing about this is the timing of it all, because, you know, obviously for the U.S., we have the Gold Cup coming up. I think it's in February. So I can't imagine she's going to be heavily involved in that with the club season still going on. And then the Olympics are, you know, shortly after the end of the the WSL season. We don't know who like her assistants are going to be yet, but she's obviously going to be leaning on them a lot to help with the transition. Like I said, she's got a big task ahead of her with the actual squad selection, which is going to be made more difficult by the fact that she's probably not going to have as much time to work with them actually in person. So, yeah, I have a lot of questions about this, but they'll be answered eventually. I guess the one thing we don't want this season is Robert Willingham to do so well at Spurs that Chelsea start looking at him. And they can just they can keep their hands. I, You know, if I give them the choice, I'd rather Casey Stoney. Like there are. I'm That's actually, fair. I don't want Robert going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's too early in his career for them to be noticing him. But yeah, if, if things come to a head, who knows? Uh, good news from our um, our medical camp is that uh, Robert said Beth might be back before the Christmas break, possibly playing November. Well, certainly playing with the rest of the team in training November, December. So maybe getting back before the Christmas break, which is, I think, probably better than we all thought it was going to be. So that's good news. Are we looking forward to, well, how pleased were we to see Beth out on the grass first of all? And how pleased are we that it's looking imminent that she might be back? Yeah, it's good to see her back, you know, even if it's just individual training on the grass. 
the fact that Martha didn't score in the last game, like we're not going to hold it against her. But at the same time, it's it's good to know that we we do have another option coming back soon. And also, we didn't mention that Ellie Brazil is back in the match day squad for this past match. So we, we do have a little bit more depth now coming. Yeah, great to see Ellie Brazil back after, I mean, just such a difficult time out coming <laughs> her first start back from injury and she did her ACL. So great to see back her back on the bench. And I guess, again, probably not bringing her in to this game because of the precarious nature of it. But hopefully we'll get to see her back in action soon because as Spurs fans, we really haven't seen very much of her to know exactly what she brings. Very much looking forward to that. What are we thinking ahead of this? So we've got an early kickoff this weekend against Liverpool, half past 12. Liverpool have had a good start to the season. A couple of, um, obviously they lost to Everton, but they, they won most recently against Leicester. So a good start to the season for them. They're looking like they're going to be one of those teams in and around us this season. How are we feeling ahead of Sunday's game? I think positive. It's not like this past game from us was disappointing from an opportunities created perspective. Like we're still creating the chances and I can't imagine that our finishing is going to be quite so unlucky in this game. So as long as we just keep on the same track, I think we're going to be fine. And Liverpool, I mean, I know they they've had better results in the league, but it's not that they've had a perfect start to the season. So they're, they're definitely, uh, we can get we can get at them. I feel like it's going to be a really tricky one because I would have said up until yesterday that they were hard to score against because they hadn't conceded many and but they also weren't scoring a lot. And then yesterday they had a three four against Man City in the League Cup, Ponty Cup, and it makes me think differently. City had a very heavily rotated team, so that is maybe part of it. But obviously Liverpool were able to score. So previous to that, they'd only scored six, which is sort of half as many as we had managed. So it looked like just in terms of goal scoring, we should be ahead of them, but they have been very tight and Matt Beard's teams have been quite hard to play against. We found last season that they tended to improve in the second half and they kind of got stronger and we found them quite difficult to play against. So obviously we're a completely different team this time. And so it's going to be different, but they're going to be well organized and they are going to make all of the challenges quite physical, I would think. And we are probably better able to cope with that. And obviously our, you know, one touch football is happening this year and so hopefully we can play through and around them a little bit in a way that we weren't able to last season but I think it's going to be a hard one yeah I I think I agree I should also add that I'm glad we don't have to deal with Katie Stengel anymore because she's really been tearing it up for Gotham in the NWSL oh and on that note congratulations to Juan Carlos uh, Amoros for winning manager of the year in the NWSL I think definitely deserved because he has turned that team around details details is what he always says yes our former manager of course um or co-manager with karen hills from a couple of managers ago now but yes we all have great fond memories of one and really pleased to see him doing well for himself in america much better to do well for himself over there than come and manage another team over here thank you very much we're all looking forward to the game on sunday as i say early kickoff half past 12 if you're watching in the uk it is going to be on bbc2 uh, if you're watching elsewhere uh not quite sure how you'll do caroline any ideas yet how you'll be watching so then it will be on paramount plus over here in the states 
there you go. So not the FA player this weekend for that one, but opportunities to watch. But if you can come down and support, the atmosphere was really good actually against Everton. We're building, uh, building all the time and looking forward to keeping on going with that. So do come down to Brisbane Road if you can. Tickets will be available on the day and are available in advance online as well. We'll be back next week to discuss whatever it is that happens in that game. Hopefully three points for Spurs. But until then, uh, thank you for listening and come on you Spurs. (laughs) 